Hello and welcome to another episode of the County Cricket Podcast in association with our friends at Bear Crickets. I'm your host, Aaron, aka the Cricket Connoisseur, and joining me on my left, as always, is everybody's favourite up-and-coming cricket journalist, Mr. Kieran McCarthy. So, Kieran, first things first, mate, great to have you back on the podcast. We've got plenty to discuss in today's show, in particular when it comes to our conversation surrounding the South group. But I've got to ask, mate, how's your day been so far? My day's been good, thank you. And I feel like I always forget to ask in response. So how's your day been? To be honest, mate, it's been really good. I've, I've had a very, very busy weekend, so a bit tired, as you might be able to tell with my voice. It's not exactly in its crispest form at the moment. Been doing a lot of talking over the weekend with commentary duties and travelling around East Anglia for various things. But yeah, I'm good, mate, to be honest. And I'm guessing you're good. You look to be in good spirits. Um, I'm always in good spirits. Especially when you're on the Counts Cricket Podcast. No better place to spend a, a few minutes of your time. But talking of tonight's show, because listeners, tonight's show is going to be very good. I've got to say, we've got so much to discuss when it comes to the T20 Blast Review Show tonight. What on earth has been going on <laughs> in the Blast, in particular in the South group? And to be honest, Kieran, we don't often start with the South group, but I think for tonight, there's no better place to start. So before we get into our conversation surrounding one of the most incredible, insane and breathtaking games of crickets we'll probably ever have the pleasure of witnessing, Let's just get into our main categories for tonight, which are, of course, the Team of the Week, the Player of the Week, the Under-25 Player of the Week, and the Surprise Package in the South Group. So, right off the bat, Kieran, who would you say has been your Team of the Week in the South Group for this week's show? Um, I have gone for Kent. Um, the I think it, the, the last three games that they played, um, which obviously were, were this week, but um, beat Sussex... Um, which you know that's not a, a massive win, and, and nor is is beating Middlesex, who they also who they also beat, but beating Essex in between those two, um, and just stringing together three wins. Um, you know, given the fact that um, in, in all formats they've not been absolutely fantastic, but now they've they've clawed their way up to to fourth in the in the South Group table. Um, I think obviously that those wins have have contributed towards that. So um, yeah, for me. Um, it is Kent. And to be honest, mate, I'm the exact same. I've also gone with the Kent Spitfires because, as you mentioned, three wins out of three for this week. But if you look at the wider picture as well, they had one win from their first six games, right? And at that point, a lot of people, myself included, I wouldn't say I completely wrote them off, but I thought it would have been tremendously difficult for them to have any kind of chance of reaching the quarterfinal spots. And then here we are, six games later, They've won six games in a row. And let's face it, they've also won some very, very convincingly. So, for example, you alluded to that win over Middlesex. That was by 55 runs. You look at the victory over Essex in Chelmsford, six wickets. And you just look at the performances of some of their players. Again, you look at the likes of, of a Daniel Bell Drummond, someone who will probably come up in a future segment, but he has just been in scintillating form. Joe Denley has had a real resurgence with the bat. Tawanda Muyeye as well has really come to the forefront for the Spitfires over the course of these last six games. And then even with the ball in hand, we saw Grant Stewart take a hat-trick, as if that wasn't good enough. So Kent really are the form team, not just in the South group, but I would argue in the T20 Blast. Would you agree with that analysis, Kieran? Do you think 
when it comes to the quarterfinals, if Kent do indeed reach it, they could be a team to just keep an eye on, per se. Certainly, if they can ride the wave from you know stringing three three wins together, if um, yeah, if they can continue in that sort of form through the quarterfinals and potentially beyond that, yeah, because um, you know form can can sort of pick up and and even though they they have had a slow start, you know the fact that they they've now stringing together good results, um, yeah, uh, that can certainly happen, and, and I don't see any reason to suggest why why it couldn't happen for Kent. And that's a very ominous thing, isn't it? In particular for their North Group opponents in the quarterfinals. Because we look at T20 cricket, we look at tournament cricket in general, and it's always that cliche adage, isn't it? It's a case of peaking at the right time. And Kent seems to be doing that. It's the exact same thing which Hampshire did in last year's competition. And we all know how that ended. Hampshire lifted the trophy. Kent won the trophy in 2021. They've got a lot of experienced players who have been there and done it in this format and, of course, in this competition in 2021. So, again, if I'm their North Group opponent, I am a little bit worried if I'm facing Kent. Obviously, they're not still guaranteed, right? We've still got two games to go in the South Group. That fourth and final spot is still very much up for grabs. But if you are looking at form teams who are just peaking at the right moments as we get to the business end of the competition, you've got to say right now it is the Kent Spitfires. They've just been absolutely magnificent, in particular in that game against Essex, because Chelmsford is a very difficult place to come to. And to get a victory in such a a breathtaking and emphatic manner was just excellent to see. So I think we are in agreement there, Kieran. Team of the week in the South group, the Kent Spitfires, which will be music to the ears of any Kent fans tuning in, in particular after a very, very difficult start to this year's competition. But aside from Team of the Week, Kieran, Let's get into the South Group Player of the Week. I've already said mine. I've gone with Daniel Bell Drummond, who has just been absolutely magnificent in the blast so far. So over the course of 12 matches, 587 runs, averaging 58.7, striking 149.74. He scored that masterful 111 from just 58 deliveries against Middlesex to cement that victory for the Spitfires. And as if that wasn't enough, five fifties to boots for Debs. So, Kieran, would you agree with that choice, or has someone else in the South Group really caught your eye over the course of this past week? Uh, I certainly don't mind it as a pick, but um, it's not the player that I've gone for. Uh, mine feels like a little bit of a rogue choice, but he's just like a juggernaut of a player um, this season and carrying on from from last season. Mine is uh, Will Jacks, obviously. The, the the fact that that I think it's a little bit of a rogue one is um, that by no means was it a bad performance the the, the ninety six against Middlesex but obviously it, it came in a losing cause and and his performance was overshadowed by the fact that Surrey didn't win the game um, but you know the fact that that him and Laurie Evans have have put together this opening partnership that just seems like it's just devastating for every team that they play against. And, um, you know, some weeks it's it's Evans, who's the, the main aggressor. Some weeks it's Jacks. Um, and in the games this week, um, they, they were sort sort of even um, in, in the Middlesex game. Obviously, Jacks had the opportunity to hit six sixes um, and he neshed it off, off the final um, ball of, of an over where he'd already hit five. Um, but then the, the, the previous game against Glamorgan as well, he, he hit 69. Um, and 
in a very big total for, for Surrey again. So just setting the platform as he has done consistently. Um, so, yeah, for me, it is Will Jacks. Fair enough. Again, I can't really disagree with that option because Will Jacks, we all know he's a fantastic talent and he has had a very good week. And again, if we're looking at the wider picture in the South group, in particular, if we just take a closer look at Surrey, Will Jacks has been exceptional, hasn't he? The club's second leading run scorer over the course of the blast so far this season, 468 runs, averaging 42.54. But the thing that stands out to me, the strike rate, 160.27. He is such a lethal striker of the cricket ball. And again, this is just, I think it's it's summarised by the amount of sixes that he hits. 27 sixes over the course of the competition. It's the most by any Surrey cricketer in the blast so far this season. So, Again, Kieran, I went with Deebs, right? I think Daniel Bell Drummond, he has had an exceptional week. He's got that brilliant century, came in a winning course. That's why I chose him. But Will Jacks, again, great shout, I've got to say. I think both of those players definitely worthy of mentions in this week's show. But aside from our our players of the week then, Kieran, let's shift our attention to the young up-and-coming stars in the South group. Let's discuss our under-25 player of the week. And to be honest, mate, I'm very interested to see where you go with this particular segment, because I thought it would have been Will Jacks. But have you gone for someone different? I have gone with a different opening batter who is also called Will. Um, does he I play for gone, Somerset? does indeed play for Somerset County Cricket Club. Um, I have gone for Will Smead. Um, similarly to Will Jacks, actually, that he's, he's sort of done it consistently throughout the season and last season as well and, and he's you know shown what he can do in, in white ball cricket um, consistently f- for someone of, of his age to be such a prodigious talent in um, and to be able to hit a ball as cleanly, cleanly as, he, as he can um, you know th- there are a lot of good efforts from him um, and this week no different um, th- the same sort of <clears throat> thing as Jacks where Obviously, as an open batter, you're, you're setting the platform. Um, and in the win against Glamorgan, he did that, hit 66. Um, and then, but what was more impressive for me was the 78 against Gloucester um, in another win, where Tom Banton got no runs, um, Tom Cole Cadmore got four, Tom Abel got four, Sean Dixon got eight. So with people falling around him, it, it can be just as easy to sort of get that in your head and, and you know, not make runs. But he sort of put the team on his back and, you know, made sure that they were still in a good position and, and smashed 78 runs. So for me, um, it would be Will Smead. Fair enough. I think it's safe to say that we've all got the need for Smead at the moment, haven't we? He is a great young talent. And again, we look at the wider picture. Yes, he's had a very impressive week, but so far, he is Somerset's leading run scorer in the T20 Blast with 404 runs, average of 33.66. But you look at the strike rate, 180.35. Again, it's the highest on the entire team. I've just got one question about Will Smead, though, Kieran. Right, I've got to ask this because this comes up all the time on social media. What do you make of his offside game? Because we all know how destructive, how lethal, how explosive he is. Off of the pads, right? He's one of the most destructive, cleanest hitters of the cricket ball if you bowl straight. But do you think that his offside game is a bit limited? Where do you fall on the 
the whole conversation surrounding that? I don't think it really matters if you're good enough at other things. Um, I remember, and, and it's it's semi-relevant, but not really to the T20 game, Alistair Cook saying um, a few years ago that, that he only actually has about three or four shots. He's just really good at the shots that he's got. Um, and, you know, in T20 cricket, um, where you're not actually facing that many balls um, and you're not really getting balls that are in the area where you have to play nice cover drives and, and whatever, and, and you can be expansive and you can step across your stumps and smash it to leg if you're good enough at doing that. Um, and for someone like Will Smead, he obviously is good enough to to sort of manipulate the ball in wherever he wants to hit it. So I don't think it's particularly a limitation that... Um, his offside game might not be as strong as his leg side game because he can hit a ball that hard that um, he can sort of manipulate it from wherever he wants to go, wherever he wants it to go, because he can he can muscle a ball to the boundary from anywhere to basically anywhere. So I, I, I certainly don't think it's, it's something that's going to hinder him um, all too much. Um, but in saying that, if he can bring that side of his game up as well, he'll be an even more dangerous talent than than what he already is. Well, he will be. And I think that's the key thing to take away. I don't think he's a limited cricketer by any state of the imagination, but I just think it'd add that extra dynamic, wouldn't it? Because if he did just have that escape shot, he's very good off the back foot. I will say that, whether that's on the leg side or the off side. But if he did just have that escape shot on the off, all of a sudden he will be an absolute tour de force in T20 cricket for a very, very long time. So, Will Smead, I've got to say, Kieran, great shout. And if you aren't already watching this guy, keep a very, very close eye on him because he is a massive, massive star in the making for Somerset County Cricket Club. With that being said, though, Will Smead was actually my honourable mention for this week's episode. I've gone a little bit left field, right? And it's because I've had this guy in the podcast and to see how far he's come in such a short space of time, is just absolutely fantastic. I've gone with Hampshire's John Turner. So before this season, he had never played in the T20 Blast, had such an incredible campaign in the One Day Cup last season, rose to prominence, and then it just didn't really play many matches until he made his championship debut, and then of course has subsequently gone on to make his T20 Blast debut as well. Now, since making his debut over the course of seven matches, Turner's taken 12 wickets, nine of which have come over the course of this week. So that's why I wanted to give John a massive, massive mention, because he's a very good young same bowler. Yes, at times the radar does go astray, but he's learning, he's getting better. And I'll tell you what, with his height, his pace, his bounce, and his cricketing nows, if you're a Hampshire fan, again, he's just someone to keep on the radar, because he has got such a bright future. In this game, the fact that he's taken 12 wickets in his first seven matches for the Hampshire Hawks just says it all. So I've gone with John Turner. Really impressed. I can't say I'm surprised because he's a very talented cricketer. But to have have almost manufactured such a, a potent T20 game in such a short amount of time is just excellent to see. So I've gone with John Turner. Kieran, you've gone with Will Smead. I think it's safe to say that the future is looking very, very bright in the South group. But Mr. McCarthy, now we go on to our fourth and final segment of the South group this week, the surprise package, which, to be honest, for the first time in the show's history, probably isn't that much of a surprise, in particular, if you've been keeping up to tabs with events in the South group this week. So 
Kieran McCarthy, I'm guessing your surprise package was Middlesex because of a certain game that took place at the Kia Oval. Am I correct? Yes, to absolutely nobody's surprise, um, it is Middlesex. And I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised. I also chose Middlesex. And Kieran, the big question for this week's episode, how on earth did Middlesex County Cricket Club chase down 253? That was a remarkable run chase, wasn't it? In particular, when you when you think of the external factors as well, right? So, for example, in this episode, we've already touched upon the electrifying form that Will Jacks and Laurie Evans are in at the top of the order. And at one point, Surrey were 177 for none within the first 12 overs of the game, right? And a lot of people completely, completely wrote Middlesex off, right, at that point. Then they started to get back into it. And by the end of the game, they restricted Surrey to 252 for seven by the end of their 20 overs. And what unfurled next is what you would call vitality blast heritage, a run chase of colossal proportions, manufactured by the likes of Stevie Eskenazi, Max Holden, Joe Cracknell, Ryan Higgins and Jack Davis, as Middlesex, who were on a 14-game winless streak, chased down 253 runs. And they didn't just chase it down in a dramatic or nervy run chase. They did it with four balls to spare on the Sky Sports cameras in a fixture that they had lost on the previous seven occasions. So we really can't just underestimate the magnitude of this performance. This came out of absolutely nowhere. And yet Middlesex have had such a rough time. They're still bottom of the South group as of this recording. Made history in South London this week. It is the highest ever domestic T20 run chase in men's cricket. And second, only behind South Africa's mammoth run chase of 259 for four against the West Indies back in March 2023. So, Kieran, just a few words on what we witnessed at the Oval this week. That really was remarkable from Middlesex County Cricket Club, wasn't it? Yeah, I I tweeted after the game saying something along the lines of best T20 game ever. Because I I think a lot of the time with with T20, um, it's hard to differentiate one game between the other. Um, I think it's it's not like with with test cricket that you sort of, if someone said to you, oh, you remember whatever test three years ago, you remember it like instantly. Whereas T20, because so much more of it gets played, you don't really remember the games that much. But as you say, this this is a game that people are going to remember like forever. Um, And even for, for Middlesex, I don't think they'll mind. Um, I think they'd rather have won that one game in that fashion than won like three or four games in the season. Um, obviously, having won a few, like they'd rather be up there at the top end of the table. But you know, for a team that if if you're struggling, that the magnitude of that win is just so enormous that um, I think for the players that's just something that they'll hold for the rest of their careers. And yeah, it was just genuinely, yeah, one of the best T20 games I've, I've ever seen. And yes, Surrey were unbelievable with the bat. Um, you know, as we've mentioned, Laurie Evans and, and Will Jacks at the top. Middlesex actually did quite well after that. those two were out to claw it back um, and to restrict them to 
which sounds weird saying just 252 because that's still an enormous number um and then it's just sort of like a, a weight a weight was off the shoulders because it's like you can go out there and play with freedom because it's that big of a number that you're chasing that like nobody really expects you to win um and you could see that from particularly Eskenazi opening the batting just timing the pants off absolutely everything just like the pull shot there was one that he hit for six that was just unbelievable and then yeah Joe Cracknell it was a very good opening partnership and then Matt Holden holding it together and then the stones on Jack Davis to firstly the commentators were saying that that they wouldn't have taken the single or or sort of speculating over whether they should have taken a single at the last ball of the, of the previous over and then to scoop your second ball for six and just show that like I absolutely am the man that needs to be on strike here like why are you even questioning the fact that I'm on strike and then to win it on on the next ball was just a phenomenal way to win one of the best T20 games that any of us have ever seen or will ever see. I think that's the perfect way of describing it, to be honest, Kieran. Like, it's got to be up there, and I've watched countless T20s, right? And back in 2018, I watched a very, very iconic game at Edgebaston in which the Bears tied with the Northamptonshire Steelbacks 231 runs each. I've got to say, this might have surpassed that. Purely for the drama and purely for the outrageous nature in which Jack Davis finished it. To do that when your team has gone winless in 14 matches, and not many people would have expected him to be able to finish off a game in that manner, it was ludicrous, wasn't it? So, Middlesex, it's been a rough season for Sax's fans. But when we look back on the year 2023, at least Middlesex can say they've made some history in the right fashion because of this game. And I'll tell you what, it was just, it was vintage, vintage Vitality Blast. And this is why we love this competition for moments, for games, for occasions, just like that one that we witnessed in South London this week. And Kieran, aside from our our discussion about the South group then, before we turn our attention to the North, let's just have a look at how the table is shaping up at the end of this third week. So at the top of the table, on 20 points and having secured a home quarter final berth are Somerset. In second are Surrey on 16 points. Again, one more victory does confirm that home quarter final spot for the Brown Caps. In third are the Hampshire Hawks on 14 points. In fourth are the Kent Spitfires, also on 14 points, but with a slightly inferior net run rate to that of Hampshire. In fifth are the Essex Eagles on 14 points, again with an inferior net run rate to that of Kent. In 6th and 7th, both on 10 points apiece, are Glamorgan and the Sussex Sharks. In 8th, are Gloucestershire on 8 points. And in ninth and bottom place of the South group are Middlesex on 2 points. So, out of nowhere, the, the South group, you'd argue now, is probably the group to watch in terms of the quarterfinal positions. Because Surrey are not guaranteed to qualify. If they were to lose their last two matches, they won't qualify. They will be out of the quarterfinals. And then you look at that battle for third and fourth, Hampshire, Kent and Essex, all on 14 points. One of those teams will miss out and we'll have to wait and see which one it is. But I'll tell you what, things are getting very, very tight in the south of England at the ends of this third week. But Kieran, aside from the, the conversation and the discussion and the 
debate surrounding the South group, let's turn our attention to the North and let's kickstart things with our team of the week. So, Kieran McCarthy, who have you selected as your North group team of the third week? I'll be very surprised if um, at least two, maybe three of these aren't the exact same as yours. Um, It is the Birmingham Bears beating Worcestershire by a heavy margin of 53 runs, beating Durham in quite the opposite circumstances in in quite a tight game and also beating Yorkshire in one that, in fairness, could have gotten away from them at the end. Um, But, you know, three wins is three wins all the same and you have to be able to win them in in whatever way you can. Um, And that, you know, shows how good of a team they are that, that they can win in different scenarios like that. So, um, you know, that, that just shows how well they've done this season as a whole and how far they can go in in the quarterfinals and potentially beyond the fact that they can win games in different ways. Um, so for me, the team of the week in the North group is the Birmingham Bears. Well, to be honest, mate, I can't disagree with that because as a Bears fan, I've been absolutely over the moon with the last five games after what was a very, very rough stint, right? During the middle of the competition, we lost three games in a row and you're thinking, heading into that North Ants game, if the Bears lose this, it becomes very, very difficult to reach the quarterfinals. It might just become a dream at that point. And yet that victory over North Ants, Moen Ali bowled superbly. Sam Hain held that innings together quite superbly as well. And all of a sudden, the momentum has just started rolling in the Bears' favour. And you mentioned that Northern away trip. That was tough because we'd had a very difficult game against Nottinghamshire at Trent Bridge on a very flat wicket on the Sunday. On Tuesday, we're at the Riverside, Chesterloe Street, against the Durham side, which again, were fighting tooth and nail in that game. And Ben Rain in particular, he always seems to have the Bears' number, bowled brilliantly. He took four wickets, made what seemed to be a pedestrian run chase a very tense affair indeed until Jacob Bethel and Danny Briggs finished off things with a bit of a flourish. Then the victory over Yorkshire at Headingley. Again, not an easy place to come to and take away two points from. And then the big one for me was, of course, the derby. To win it by that many runs, to do it so convincingly in such a ruthless, emphatic and convincing manner against a fellow playoff contender was just outstanding to see. And bear in mind, right, that we haven't even mentioned at this point that the Bears are without their talismanic figure, Sam Hain. Sam Hain's currently got a hamstring injury, and yet in his place, Jacob Bethel has just stood up to the plate in absolutely brilliant fashion. So over the course of four matches, yes, he's only scored 71 runs, but he's striking at 182. You look at the amount of shots that this guy plays, He's also a gun fielder, took that ridiculous catch to dismiss Jordan Thompson, aptly called JB de Villiers as a result of that tremendous fielding effort. But in terms of the, the value that he's added to a team which had lost their icon, they'd lost their informed man, the guy who, as of this recording, is still the club's leading run scorer in the competition, is just massive. So I've got to tip my cap off to the Bears, what looked to be four very difficult games at New Road, the Riverside, Headingley, and of course Derby Day at Edgebaston. They made look pretty easy. They genuinely did. I know we had a little bit of strife against Durham and of course in that final over against Yorkshire, but the two games against Worcestershire, 
were just masterfully done. And I've got to also give a lot of credit to Alex Davis. As captain of the Bears, eight wins out of eight. So we can't really complain about that for Alex Davis so far. Unbeaten as Bears captain. And he has just been absolutely magnificent. So, again, things are looking good for the Birmingham Bears. Will they top the North group? We'll have to wait and see. They are still one victory away from fully cementing that spots and that home quarter final. But as you said, Kieran, a great, great week and a great few results for my county of Warwickshire in the T20 Blast. But aside from the Bears and our team of the week, Kieran, who have you chosen as your North Group Player of the Week? This will be a very, very interesting selection given the performances that we've seen over the past few days. I'm, I would be very interested to hear yours off the, the back of this. Uh, I'm not actually sure if you'll say this or not, um, but it's a Birmingham player. Um, it's Rob Yates. Um, That's a good shout. Yeah, well, he hit 59 against Worcestershire. Um, he hit 66 against Yorkshire. Um, and he hit 40 against Durham. Um, you know, obviously all in good team performances. And, you know, you look at the team that Birmingham have got, it's, there's a lot of T20 specialists, um, the likes of Glenn Maxwell, Dan Mosley, obviously Sam Haynes, very good in, in all formats. The fact that he's not, not playing, but, um, you know, to be able to stand out in a team with that many star names in it um, just shows how good of a player Rob Yates is sort of progressing into. Um, and just a very good week for him um, as one of the members of that that side um, and one of the driving forces in the wins that they've had this week. Well, he has been, Kieran. I've got to say that is a very, very good selection. Because if, if we look at the stats, and I love a good stat, Rob Yates is the second leading run scorer for the Bears in this year's T20 Blast with 329 runs, average of 36.55, and a 134.83 strike rate, which, given his role in the team, which is to lay that foundation to get the Bears off to a strong start in the power play and just accumulate that 40 or 50, I think he's done that excellently over the course, not just of this week, but over the course of the entire competition. So Rob Yates, the Mosley Maestro, great shout there, Kieran. I've got to say he was definitely an honourable mention for me for this review show. However, because I didn't want this to become the, the Birmingham Bears show, I did choose someone slightly different. And I've gone for someone who I mentioned back in the preview show. I've selected Zaman Khan because for me, he's had such a good week. And considering he had a somewhat sedate start to life at Derbyshire, all of a sudden, he's just caught fire. So, for example, he took four for 21 against Durham at the Riverside, which is incredibly impressive. A 5.25 economy rate to go with four wickets against a very good Durham side. For me, that was a standout performance of not just the North Group, but of the T20 Blast this week. And when you look at the, the other games over the course of these past seven days, aside from that game where he was conceding 5.25 runs and over, He's gone at less than 6.5 runs in three out of the four matches for Derbyshire, which for an express speed demon is ridiculously impressive. For those who haven't seen him, he's got a slightly slingy action. He's incredibly quick to watch live. I watched him at Edgebaston at Blastoff and, of course, for the, for the Derbyshire game against the Bears at the same venue. And the ball just skids on so quickly. Honestly, he's a kind of bowler where if you blink, you will miss him. 
and he has just turned into such a valuable option for the Falcons. 20 wickets so far in the campaign. And we talk about strike bowlers. And when we talk about strike bowlers, we look at strike rates. 12.9. So he's picking up a wicket pretty much every two overs, which in T20 cricket is so valuable. So for me, I've gone with Zaman Khan, someone to watch out for in the future, just 21 years of age, a great signing from Mickey Arthur. And although Derbyshire haven't had the greatest of weeks in the bigger picture, because they are outside of those playoff spots, Zaman Khan, definitely someone to watch out for heading into the future. And talking of future superstars, Kieran, let's talk about our under-25 North Group Player of the Week. I can see the wry smile on your face. I have a feeling that I know who this is because I think we've written down the same name on our pieces of paper. I've gone with Dan Mosley. I've had to choose Dan Mosley because he's just in ridiculous form. You look at his batting, and that has, of course, for a long time been his trademark. It was what made him such a a valuable player for the England under-19s. And he scored that 49 out at New Road, 51 against the the Rapids in the Derby Edgebaston. But aside from the batting, his bowling this season, I'm not sure how much you've seen of it, Kieran, but it's it's just turns his game into the next level, hasn't it? Right. And and what's absolutely staggering for me is that I've always seen Dan as as a batting all-rounder, right? I've always seen him with the bat in hand being his stronger suit. And yet in T20 cricket, all of a sudden, he's had a winter away. He went to the IL-20, played with the MI Emirates, and he picked up this arm ball, which he just darts in at the stumps. And all of a sudden, he's gone from having two career wickets in T20 cricket, with best figures of one for nine. Over the course of this year's T20 Blast, he's taken 18 wickets, and he's taken three four-wicket hauls, including career best figures of four for 13 against Lancashire. So it's been a tremendous uptick in fortunes. And for the Bears, he's currently the club's leading wicket-taker in this year's T20 Blast, which considering that they've got the likes of Hassan Ali, Jake Lintot, Danny Briggs, these are bona fide T20 specialists, guys who have performed year in, year out, all across the globe. He's having such a good season, isn't he, Mr Mosley? He is indeed, um, and I knew there was absolutely no way that that wasn't who you were going to pick. Um, and yeah, for, for me, it, it was the exact same, and the... Um, first review show of, of the blast this season I also picked Dan Mosley and I made the point then that um yeah I thought his batting had been his stronger suit for um the early part of his career but yeah his bowling is um coming on leaps and bounds and yeah as you say to to be top of the wicket takers uh, list at, at, at Birmingham um with the likes of the players that you mentioned around him and the fact that this week um on its own on its own, he's taken two fourthers um, alongside, obviously, that other fourther that you mentioned against Lancashire. Um, yeah, just an absolutely phenomenal week for him. And it's been a very good season for him as a whole. Um, and yeah, he's just a very good cricketer um, in every facet of the game. He really is. And again, if you're a Bears fan, it is to our advantage, isn't it? Let's face it, we talk about cricketers being three-dimensional in T20s. Dan Mosley really is becoming that. So shout out to Danger Mouse or Dan the Man, as Adam Bridge calls him on the Bears live stream. But whatever you want to nickname him, Dan Mosley, definitely someone to watch out for heading into the next few years. And Kieran, 
Aside then from our under-25 player, let's take a moment to look at our surprise package from the North Route this week. Now, I think we're going to have some variation here, right? So I'm very, very interested to see who or, or which team you've actually selected for this particular category. But having watched the North Group over the past seven days, who do you say has been your surprise package from that group? Well, it's a weird one because, like, it, whether or not it should be a surprise at this point, um, because I've I've gone for Worcestershire, um, who again the the first review show of the season I, I picked Worcestershire then, and at that point I think it was a surprise because they they come off not a fantastic season last season and started in in very fine fashion, um, but now the the third in the North group and the sort of you know, up there with the big boys, that they're on the same points as Lancashire, they're on the same points as Knotts, they're above Yorkshire, who admittedly I didn't think were going to be fantastic, but have obviously brought it back. Um, and this week, um, they've beat Lancashire, who, you know, a lot of people would have thought were going to be one of the sides that were up there um, in the North Group this season. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't just beat them. It, it was a fairly convincing win. Um for Worcestershire, um, mainly thanks to to Jack Haynes and and Mitchell Santner with the bat, um, and then after having beaten Lanks, um, they then beat Knotts, um, who again I, I thought were going to be a very strong side this season, um, and the fact that they're fourth in the North Group shows that you know. I, uh, I was right to think that. And again, um, a very convincing performance from, you know, the entire team. Um, this time, a couple of uh, of batters, Brett D'Olivera, who um going to the top of the order in, in the absence of, of Michael Bracewell. Um, and to be fair, of late, it doesn't look like it's affected them that much. They've, they've sort of done, done what they can without him. And, that is, to be fair, one of the reasons why why it is so surprising that they've lost one of the talismanic figures that that you would have thought um, potentially that that might have hindered them a lot more than it has done. Obviously, it hasn't, um, and to have beaten Lan- Lanks and Knotts, um, a fantastic week for them. Obviously, I know they got beaten by Birmingham, got beaten quite heavily, um, but I've, I don't think they'll they'll mind too much about that given where they still are in the table no I think that's a fair assessment to be honest I, I really do I think the Rapids have been very good and uh, aside from the Derby days against the Bears again I'd agree Kieran they've been very impressive and you, you mentioned about the the absence of Michael Bracewell hasn't Usama Mir been fantastic in his absence I mean you just look at the economy rate 6.75 runs and over he's taken 13 wickets over the course of eight matches and Mitch Santner as well. Obviously, this was in a losing cause, but that half century they scored against the Bears did keep Worcestershire massively in that game. And again, if we're looking at the bigger picture, we're looking at net run rates. That was an invaluable knock in order to keep Worcestershire in those playoff places. So I think that's a fair selection, to be honest. And it's a good surprise, isn't it? As opposed to a, a bad surprise. So I do think the Rapids will have enough in the tank. Whether or not they'll win their quarter final. Who knows? Because we don't know what, which position they'll finish in. But yeah, I do think Worcestershire have had quite a good good season and a decent week aside from those two Derby Day losses to the Bears at New Road and Edgebaston respectively. But aside from Worcestershire, Kieran, 
my surprise package is Zach Chapel. And again, this is a really positive surprise. So over the course of, of 24 matches in T20 cricket for Gloucestershire, Leicestershire and Nottinghamshire, Zach Chapel had only taken 26 wickets in the format. Now, compare this to his outputs this season, and he's the leading wicket-taker, not just for Derbyshire, but the entire North group. He's taken 22 wickets so far, 10 of which came in games over the course of these past seven days. So, for me, Zach Chapel has just been a revelation for Derbyshire, and a lot of people would have expected him to almost be the, the middle-overs plough horse and take the odd wicket here and there. And instead, he's become an out-and-out strike bowler. He's a partnership breaker. He's taking massive wickets. He's being pretty economical at times as well. I think of the game against Yorkshire at Chesterfield. He bowled brilliantly in that game. And it's just wonderful to see, isn't it? A guy who has has just been a very, very solid county pro, all of a sudden taking his game to the next level. And I think he's been excellent for Derbyshire so far this summer. He's had a great week for the Falcons in the T20 Blast. And for those reasons, I've gone with Zach Chapel. I think he's been very, very good. I was at that game uh, at Chesterfield. And obviously, you're, you're watching a bowling attack that's uh, got Zaman Khan and, and George Scrimshaw in it. And, and you're thinking that you're not going to see anyone who who looks quite as quick as, as them. And I'm not sure if it's the fact that I was sat square of the wicket at, at a club ground. So everything looks a bit different to what it might do on TV or, or you know, even in a in a stadium where you're a little bit higher up. But he looks almost as sharp as as both of them two players and and I wasn't really expecting that having not watched him bowl that much and yeah he did bowl very well in that game um as you know the, the entire of the Derbyshire seam attack clearly did um well not just the seam attack all, all of them to be honest um but yeah he he genuinely really did surprise me but again it's in a really good way isn't it yeah it's an excellent thing to see, and I would agree, actually, Kieran. I wouldn't say that he's as, he's as fast as Scrimshaw and, and Zaman Khan just yet, but that's something that I've noticed. I'm not sure whether or not it's his velocity in his run-up or it's the ball speed from which he's delivering at, but it does seem to have an extra yard of pace on it, doesn't it? I would agree with that, because I saw him, as I said, at, at that Bears versus Falcons match at Edgebaston, and again, he bowled quite well in that particular game. So, yeah, Zach Chappell is my surprise package from the North group this week. And I suppose the the honourable or, or dishonourable mention, I suppose, would be Yorkshire in that game at, at Chesterfield. Because again, that came out of absolutely nowhere. Yorkshire had been on such a fantastic winning streak. And all of a sudden, the momentum was lost. And now it's just snowballed, hasn't it? As of this recording, Yorkshire now pretty much relying on other results to try and scrape their, their way through. So... Again, we'll have to wait and see. The North Group's funny, isn't it? It really is. Anything can happen. It isn't over until it's over. But yeah, it's been a very, very interesting week in the North of England, as we can see by taking a look at the points table. So at the top of the table are my team, the Birmingham Bears, on 18 points. In second are the Lancashire Lightning on 14 points. In third are the Worcestershire Rapids, also on 14 points, but with a slightly inferior net run rate to the Lancashire Lightning. In fourth are the Nottinghamshire Outlaws, also on 14 points. In fifth are the Yorkshire Vikings, on 13 points. In sixth are the Northamptonshire Steelbacks, on 12 points. In seventh are the Derbyshire Falcons, on 11 points. In eighth are Durham, on 10 points. And in ninth and bottom place of the North group, struggling massively, are the Leicestershire Foxes, on 4 points. So, again, across both groups, 
it's all to play for. And Kieran, just before we wrap up the recording, I've got to ask, right, quarterfinal predictions. We know that the Bears are in. We know that Somerset are in. Who do you think will be the other six teams making it through to the quarterfinals this season? Um, mm, okay. Um, I think the North group's fairly easy. Um, I don't think Yorkshire will get in. Um, and I don't... Th- I think, to be honest, that the, the, the other top three... Um, other than Birmingham, who who are already there in the North group, are probably going to get through. Which um, you know, that's a that's a good indictment on on the skill level of Worcestershire at the moment. That at the start of the season, um, I think I had Durham up there. Um, I think I had Birmingham, Lancashire, Notts, Durham as my top four. Um, but I think it'll be obviously Birmingham because they're already there. Lancs. Worcestershire and Knotts. Um, whether or not Knotts are, are an absolute shoe in, I'm, I'm not sure, but I think they've they've probably got enough. Um, and then I would find it difficult to look past Essex squeezing in in the South Group. But then, as we've mentioned, Kent have been very good of late, and that form they could just ride that and and get in. So I think Surrey are okay. Um, I whether or not Hampshire get in, I'm not a hundred percent. Um, I wouldn't like to say one way or another, but I can just see Essex being in there and Kent. Obviously, I, it's really difficult. I, that that's what we'll go for. We'll say Essex, Kent, Surrey, and Hampshire are going to drop out. Fair enough. I'm going to, well, purely so we're not completely agreeing. I agree with the North group, to be honest. I do think that will stay completely the same. But I think for the South, Somerset and Surrey, I think they're pretty much nailed on as your top two. I'm going to go with Hampshire. I don't think Kent will make it. I'll go with Essex. Because the problem is, if they do lose one game, there's a load of pressure, isn't there, in that final one. So just to make things interesting, just to give an alternate opinion, I'll go with Hampshire and Essex going through. Right, but I'll tell you what, that's going to be a fantastic, fantastic weekend, isn't it? In the South group, as those three teams battle for two places, that is going to be absolutely cinematic. And yeah, can't wait to to watch it, to be honest. will be a very, very intriguing round of games, to say the least. But Kieran, that is essentially it for today's episode of the Counter Cricket Podcast. Thank you once again for coming back on. It's been a pleasure as always, mate. And of course, to each and every single one of you wonderful listeners who's tuned in to the show today, a massive thank you from myself and Kieran. We've got plenty more content coming your way over the course of the summer with the Championship, the One Day Cup, and of course, the T20 Blast. So yeah, we'll keep you covered over the course of these remaining summer months. But that is it for myself and Kieran for today's episode. To each and every single one of you wonderful listeners out there, thank you ever so much for tuning in. And as always, guys, we'll see you on the next one.